How we doing, traders? Welcome to the Spacs Attack. How we doing, traders? Welcome and welcome to the SPACs Attack, where we talk everything SPACs. And if you like them, go ahead and give me a big old thumbs up. Let's get this party started. Let's bring on my man to the show, The Brains, Chris Catchy. Hey, what's going on, Mitch? How are we doing today? What's going on? What's going on is that we got some short squeezing. We got some movement out there. So definitely want to go ahead and highlight two our headlines, but a little bit later today, guys, we're going to be having another great interview. Going to be talking some parts ID here, guys. So check it out, guys. This is going to be fun to go through. Let's go ahead and let's get into our headlines of the day. So that way we can get right back into it. Let's go ahead and take us back to the headline. All right, guys. Yeah, so up first, we have CLOV, Clover Health, former SPAC, shares trading higher again today. We highlighted this on Friday's show. There's reports of a short squeeze um, coming. So several firms are actually fighting over what percent of Clover shares float is actually short. Shares hit a high of 10.03 on Friday. They did hit over the $10 level once again today. Um, but now starting to fade up 6% to 9.34. Keep an eye out on this one. But as I said, Friday, you know, caution here, chasing this one solely on the short squeeze, um, you know, and that $10 level, it has not broken um, for very long here. We have AACQ uh, merging with Origin Materials. We, of course, had an interview last week with the company. So they signed a new strategic alliance with uh, Prima Loft to develop carbon negative insulating fiber for outdoor gear, bedding, and apparel. DCRB, which is merging with Hyzon Motors. So they said a production of 15 zero emission hydrogen fuel cell vehicles for delivery, um, production has begun there. VLDR, Velodyne LiDAR, initiated by Goldman Sachs with a neutral rating and a price target of $13. Uh, Niccolo uh, Wedbush, Dan Ives out, cutting the price target from $25 to $13, um, ticker NKLA. So a significant uh, downgrade there for the price target. Um, so keep an eye out. But so far, uh, Niccolo has been able to stay above that $10 level despite all kinds of problems out there. M-I-L-E, Metro Mile, a former SPAC, was on Mad Money Friday. Um, so that's a name to watch today to see how traders react um, you know, to the company being profiled on there. We have RIDE, that's Lordstown Motors, um, that endurance electric pickup failed to finish the San Felipe 250 endurance race over the weekend. Shares getting hit today, um, you know, in response down 9% to 9.11. Um, looks like a lot of people selling off on that news as, you know, the company is going to have some questions that needs to answer now. We have QS, QuantumScape. 
The, the CEO is saying that he is considering legal action against the short report that was filed about the company. Uh, not a lot of color here yet, but keep an eye out on QS. EQOS, uh, former SPAC, Diginex, um, they announced that their crypto exchange had total volumes of over $1 billion uh, in April to, month to date. Um, you know, so that's a significant amount. They said volumes during the period increased over three times compared to average daily volumes in the prior month. Um, they launched that first native exchange token, the EQ's origin, um, and then also a significant increase in participation by a number of major institutional clients. Um, daily volume in excess of $100 million. So keep an eye out on EQOS in that crypto space. Other big movers, uh, Friday, Playboy, PLBY was down uh, 10%. And then Clove, which I talked about at the top, was up 20% on Friday. A couple more to watch today. We have SRNGU, Soaring Eagle Units which I do own, they will be splitting from units to common shares and warrants. So it will be the first time several traders will have access to those common shares on brokers that don't support the trading of units. And then also keep an eye out on MUDS, that's MUDS merging with TOPS. TOPS is releasing its first MLB NFTs tomorrow. Um, so that one could see good trading action today and tomorrow. And then on our merger vote calendar, we do have a couple uh, merger votes this week. GIK on the 21st and NGA on the 23rd. I do own shares of NGA. So that's what I've got, um, you know, for headlines and a couple to watch there. Mitch, what do you think? All right. All right, Chris. Well, I, I think we, we forgot one. Maybe the clever Lees gives a 420 pump, man. Clever leaves and SS, uh, how about SSPK with weed? There you now? go, there you go. There's a smile. Got, some, yeah. got a smile out of Chris there. He forgot 420 tomorrow, guys. 420. There is so much happening tomorrow on 420. Like Mitch, I I can't even. It's gonna be popping. We've we've got we've got Apple holding an event. We've got cannabis stocks to watch. We've got Doge Day, Dogecoin 420. But we've got Will the Spy hit 420 on 420. There, there's so many headlines out there, so many storylines. I know I'm excited about tomorrow because you know there, there's lots of storylines to watch there for for 420. And yeah, cannabis spacs. Uh, you, you know, we could see retail traders definitely push. Uh, you know, SSPK and Clever Leaves higher along with all those other cannabis names. Great, great point there. Yeah, you know, it, it's just you, you got to look for what is going to come, right? What are the, the catalysts to come? And to me, I, I'll take a look to see if tomorrow we get a little move there. Um, let me let me see if, if we get a little push up. It'd be interesting, you know. Um, I'm going to be looking at a, a different cannabis place. So let, let's see if we get a little 420 pop. Um, all right, guys. So, uh, of course, uh, I'm seeing out there a couple people saying that they're getting hit a little bit. Yeah, this is the time, guys, when you got to go ahead up and find who are the winners and who are not. And that's what's going to be really mattering here is going to be a definition of there will be some winners here and there will be some people that probably won't come back. So we need to go ahead and focus here. And like always, guys, SPACs has always has been said to be more of an investment 
then a trading vehicle. And I think the, for a little bit there, the heads got flip-flopped there. And I think people are a little bit lost right now in specs. But what you really need to be looking for is maybe some investments out here. And like Warren Buffett says, when there's blood on the streets, guys, usually that's everybody selling out. But that's when I start looking for the best companies to go ahead up and scoop that discount. What do you think about that, Chris? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I wanted to hit it at the end of the show today. But, uh, you know, since you brought it up, there's actually a a, a chart out um, from a follower that I have on Twitter, King Tut SPACs, um, showing that that it's not just SPACs getting hit, right? It, it's growth stocks. So, um, you know, there are a lot of growth names that are down big from their 52-week high and also SPACs down from their 52-week high. So, you know, NEO down 46%, Teladoc down 38%, Peloton down 33%, Zoom down 44%. Uh, you know, Palantir down 50% from, from their 52-week high. There's some great companies on this list. You know, same with SPACs. There's going to be some great companies. You know, so so to say that all SPACs, you know, are, are trash or SPACs, you know, are, are um, you know, all going to fall, you know, it, it's just growth out of favor right now, right? The market's looking for value. And, and the majority of companies that go public via SPAC are, are not value, right? They're growth names, right? That, that's why they were private. That, that's why they want to go public, right? Is because they're growth companies, you know, growing at strong rates. So, you know, to me, like you said, Mitch, you know, you just got to look for the best companies, look for the winners. There's going to be losers along the way. Um, but that's the same with SPACs, IPOs, and the market overall. So, you know, pay attention to what you own and try to find some of these good ones that are possibly on sale right now, right? If, if you're a long-term investor, you know, you're you're looking for growth maybe versus value. So, you know, that's where the SPACs are going right now is, you know, they're falling as investors are looking for value over growth. That's how it is, guys. And then and when you look for that and there's a rotation, that's all it is right now. It's a rotation from the money to bigger names, bigger market caps. Wait till you see that rotation come back. The volume will need a spike. And, and what you should see is a lot of the times I'm looking for a big runner, a big runner. Like, let's say PSTH comes out with a, a you know, an acquisition. Then you see PSTH rip off. They could come following after that. We need to see the next growth stocks, the next SPACs really take off to get us that mentality. Okay, we're back. Let's see these start going. All right, let's go ahead up and let's get into our interview today, Chris. I know this is the time when we go ahead and unlock some SPACs. So let's go ahead up and do that and bring on our guests for today. All right, guys, super excited. Another exclusive interview here on SPACs Attack. So joining us on the show today, we have Nino Capino, the CEO of Parts ID, and AJ Roy, the COO of Parts ID. Company went pu public via SPAC merger. That ticker is ID. Thank you both for joining us on the show today. Hey, Chris. Hey, Mitch. Happy to be here. Welcome hey, on, guys. Hey, Welcome on. Happy to be here. How are you guys? Right. Doing great. Doing great. I'll, I'll, I'll let Chris lead in with some questions here, and I'll be back with some of my own, guys. 
All right, guys. So, you know, starting out, this this is SPACs attack. We we talk all things SPACs. Um, you know, so have to ask here, you know, so uh, let's start with uh, Nino here. Why the decision, uh, you know, to go public via SPAC and was a traditional IPO also considered for uh, Parts ID? Hey, Chris. Um, so over the last one to two years, right, really around 2019, the company has was evaluating different capital raising opportunities, everything from additional private equity and potentially, potentially even a traditional IPO in the not so distant, distant future. But SPACs were intriguing for really three reasons I narrow it down to. Um, first, as you and your audience know, SPAC popularity completely took off last year. And that popularity created very strong demand for business, for differentiated business and technology assets, such as the car ID, parts ID platform, which we'll get into more. Second, when we looked at some of our public competitors and other digital commerce businesses, their valuations were and still are very strong. You know, so as a business, that's a, a strong motivator for us, especially given our growth and profitability. Um, third is really the ability the SPAC offered us in terms of being able to negotiate valuation privately and all the related terms. So those are really the three core reasons, I believe, uh, which were important for us. Awesome. And then, you know, AJ, I want to turn to you. Um, you know, one of the things that comes up in the investor presentation is, you know, your your background with Wayfair. Um, you know, so so there's lots of members here with experience in e-commerce. Can, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the the board here and what it means to, to have experience in e-commerce and help grow um, Parts ID going forward? Yeah, um, I think when it comes to e-commerce businesses, um, uh, what's what's most important is that whether you have the ability to scale the business, right? I think everybody can, uh, it, it's all about growing the business over a period of time. So a lot of my learnings from Wayfair, <clears throat> where I was actually managing the small parcel business as well as the large parcel business, uh, those learnings are really helpful here in terms of and if you actually look at um, our business model here, there are a lot of parallels that we can draw. Uh, our business is very capital efficient. We do not stock, um, uh, we stock very little inventory, uh, very similar to Wayfair, where they actually invested into a very extensive uh, fulfillment network. Without stocking the products, they're getting the products uh, delivered uh, to their customers. So I think it, uh, what I would say is that having an experience in e-commerce, uh, Working with Wayfair, I've worked with Chewy.com, I've worked with uh, a couple of other e-commerce players. It really helps me the ability to uh, bring some critical thinking in terms of how do we scale the business and how do we make sure that uh, we are actually giving a very enhanced experience to our customers. Awesome. So, you know, uh, Nino, let's back up for a sec. Can you give us, you know, what's the background here? What's Parts ID all about um, for viewers who may not be aware of the company here? Yep. So Chris, at our core, we help consumers find the right part with, you know, as quickly as possible. Uh, we give them the confidence they need to make sure the part they're buying is in fact the right part for their specific year make model vehicle. And then we help get them that part as fast as possible. Uh, and at our core, you know, there's, there's three really core differentiators about our business that I want to highlight. First is the product data set in the catalog. Right, so we have a very comprehensive product and data, data set that we've cultivated over the better part of a decade, uh, applying artificial intelligence to it and really enriching that product data set, which is key in helping kind of sell a complex product digitally. 
Second, we've developed a comprehensive purpose-built uh, technology platform for, again, a complex category such as car parts and accessories online. Uh, and that we've developed over, again, the better course of a decade as well. Uh, third, but certainly not least, is kind of this virtual fulfillment or capital efficient model we have in place. So today, the company, we work with over 1,000 fulfillment partners or vendors, we call them. And these 1,000 plus vendors operate over 2,500 shipping locations across the U.S. So we're able to tap into those shipping locations to help us get um, consumers a broad assortment of products to shop online, but also help them get products quickly to them. Awesome. And then AJ, you know, there's a very large addressable market here um, with car parts, maybe not as penetrated um, for e-commerce as some of these other areas. Can you talk, you know, what, what's the future hold for e-commerce in, in this segment and how can Parts ID be, be a major player there? Sure. Um, I'm going to actually take you back to what Neil just said uh, about our technology platform. So I think for years, um, if you actually look at the common players uh, in this space, everybody actually has the common data set, which is the vendor data, right? Uh, but um, basically the vendor parts information and where you can actually search products by year, make model. But the reality is that um, uh, that just that itself does not cut it because you have to build the uh, confidence and you also have to have an underlying data model with which you are able to deliver the right product or pro provide the right product in the, hand of the, in the hands of the customer. And that is where I think our artificial intelligence uh, and machine learning that we have actually built on top of the base data that we get from the vendors uh, uh, helps us to really get the right product in hands of the customers. And the testament of that is our return rates. When the industry average is around 18 to 23%, our return rates are less than 5%, which really means that we're able to deliver the right product. As far as the time is concerned, the total addressable market size is concerned, I think in this space, um, I think those players will be successful who actually have the fungibility in their technology platform so that they can expand into other areas. So just like if you look at Parts ID, uh, our core business is, of course, CarID.com. That is where we started. But all the way back in August 2018, we launched uh, uh, these new verticals, which are motorcycle uh, and power sports, boat, recreation, uh, camper, and seven new verticals, right? And we actually launched them. And uh, uh, you must have read a little bit about what, how we performed in 2020, but we tripled the growth uh, in a span of just two years. Uh, in 2020, was a stellar year for us. So I think from my perspective, when, if you really want to capture the overall TAM, you should have the fungibility in your technology platform and you should be core. At, at the core of our company, we are really a technology player, right? And of course, we try to, pro, to sell uh, parts and accessories uh, to all our customers, but we we actually cover a wide variety of vehicles, uh, including cars, motorcycle, uh, heavy trucks, uh, everything that is available out there. Awesome. So you know, uh, Nino, the the one thing you know the the pandemic has brought for for some of the e-commerce right is years of growth compacted into this this short amount of time. You know, so your company and, you know, many others out there have seen tremendous growth of e-commerce, you know, post pandemic, how do you keep, you know, that growth going um, that you gained during this time? Yeah, great question, Chris. Let me break that into two, two ways to, to answer that. First is the momentum the company experienced in 2020 uh, from the pandemic. We believe there's going to be tailwinds from that. 
Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, customer acquisition increased significantly in 2020. Uh, and just given how much of our customers return to us and how much of our revenue is composed of returning customers, we think there's ongoing tailwinds from the momentum of 2020. And then second, of course, is driving the initiatives we outlined in the investor presentation. Uh, so continuing to invest in the data, uh, data platform, continuing to invest in the technology platform, continuing to build out what AJ referred to as uh, the new verticals, right? Motorcycle ID, boat ID. We have some initiatives on car ID, which are new categories such as repair and original equipment, which we've made significant strides in over the last 12 to 18 months. We, we believe there's still more to, to continue building there. So there's a lot of growth initiatives underway, and we believe we haven't, you know, we haven't really tapped into yet. Awesome. So, uh, you know, one of the, the questions, you know, when companies go public uh, via SPAC, uh, you know, they can grow and they, they have some of this capital. My, my question, AJ, is, you know, is there plans to, to do any acquisitions, you know, down the road to expand? Or is it, you know, just to use Parts ID existing business and kind of grow out those verticals on its own? Um, I think in the short term, there is, a, there is tons of potential. As you can see, the, there is a huge talent which is out there, right? Uh, and we definitely want to actually focus on growing the existing business and really capture the market share. Uh, but having said that, um, absolutely in the future, we, uh, we are always looking for opportunities to grow the business. So we never say never. We would never say no to a newer opportunity that comes our way. Awesome. And, uh, you know, Nino, I think you touched earlier a little bit on, uh, you know, getting ahead of competitors. Can you just talk a little bit? You don't have to name, you know, any direct com competitors out there, but how does Parts ID, you know, dif differentiate from competitors and, you know, really stay, you know, ahead of them in, in this competitive uh, market, both e-commerce and uh, physical stores? Yeah, so I touched on some of it, Chris. Let me just underscore a couple points and then I'll expand. Uh, so really focusing on the technology, right? Evolving and developing the purpose-built technology we have for the auto parts and accessories business. And that's key. There really is no third-party e-commerce platform out there which someone can license that can deliver the sort of experience that our custom platform is able to deliver to the consumer. So continuing to invest in that platform for our specific industry is critical. Second, again, is, is the data set. You know, today, we believe we have the most comprehensive product data set in the entire car parts and accessories industry. Of course, there's no way to validate that, but we firmly believe that just given how comprehensive and rich our data is. And that really is at the heart, the technology and the data set is really at the heart of what we believe is driving the, the best experience on our site and delivering what AJ referred to before is you know, among the lowest return rates in the entire industry. So be beyond those things, it's really about one building, continuing to build this really unrivaled catalog. You know, today on the platform, we have over 17 million SKUs, you know, without referencing any other competitors. I think if your audience took a look, uh, you'll, you'll see that no one else even comes close in our industry. Met most of our competitors have a million, maybe a, less than a million SKUs. So for that consumer who's really looking for a one-stop shop, uh, CarID.com really is you know the the primary source to go to to find everything you're looking for 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 that rich experience and unrivaled product suite. We also have over 5,500 brands on the platform today. So many of our competitors 
a majority or a significant portion of their catalog is private label. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we have a small private label business as well. And there are attractive margins in private label. And we have plans to, to gradually grow our private label business for those reasons. But we really think of ourselves as a branded platform, right? A consumer who comes to carid.com, they're going to see all top name, high quality brands on the platform. And they're going to see, you know, be able to shop those brands on our platform with some private labels sprinkled in for categories uh, that we need to. So those are two of the things that really distinguish us. And, and just going back to what AJ had talked about before is the seven new verticals, motorcycle ID, boat ID. You know, some of the research we did in 2020 gave us validated among many reasons why we entered these seven new verticals in 2018. And the, the one theme that really came out of that research is there is consumer overlap. Our target consumer is this blue collar, uh, blue collar individual person, male, most, most of the time owns a muscle car or pickup truck or some other vehicle, and then typically has an ATV, jet ski, motorcycle, or some other vehicle in their garage or driveway. So we really see this, these seven new verticals as a really natural extension to cater to our existing target market. And when you look at us, right, these, these eight verticals that we operate in, no one else is doing that. Most of our competitors online operate very narrowly, either their entires, or they're in mechanical parts and repair parts, but no one is really stretching, you know, 1,000 different product lines, 5,500 brands, eight different verticals. That is really unique to us, and we have a lot of growth to really continue to cultivate within our business. I think right. one thing, one thing which I would want to add here is um, when I when I look at our uh, competition, right? Uh, very simply, without naming anyone, what the way we consider ourselves, and I think that. Uh, our focus is on really the customer buying journey and really providing an end-to-end -end experience to our customers. So if I look at our competition, their websites are very transactional in nature. You actually go in, you get the product and you're out, right? But if you look at Parts ID, we have invested heavily into developing rich content, um, 3D installation videos, et cetera, which really helps the customer through their buying journey from the time they land on the page to let's say that they have bought a new vehicle or they actually are trying to upgrade or uh, customize their existing vehicle, uh, you would have, it's like Nino said, it will be a one-stop, it, it is a one-stop shop solution uh, for all your needs, but we are also helping you through overall, all of your buying journey. A lot of our webs, a lot of the websites, you typically act, actually talk to a chatbot if you have a question, right? But we have actually dedicated subject matter experts by categories. So we'll, we'll have a wheels and tires expert, we'll have an uh, interior accessories expert, or we'll have an exterior accessories expert. And if you have a question, you can pick up the phone and you can actually talk to a real person who's going to actually help you, make you understand if you're buying a specific part, what else goes along with it. And this is something which really also we have seen internally in terms of our typical NPS scores, which is, in, which is actually published in the investor uh, presentation. It's, um, it's in high 60s that the, our NPS score with our customers is primarily because of the reason that we are not just focused on selling that part and forgetting about our customer. We actually want to make sure that we are handholding our customer throughout the journey. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and jump in here. So some of the things that I wanted to point out are some of the things that you're talking about here. So let me go ahead and reshare here with a sound so i want to make sure we get this audio here um but 
like, like you mentioned, mentioned let's, let's say we were, were looking, looking up, uh, I looked up a Mustang here, 2021 Mustang, and looked up to, to see a, a video on how to actually install it. So one of the things is, you know, of course, you got your click right here. Uh, what some of the things that he was talking about right here. So let's say if we went to the video. That video right there. And then, of course, his multiple videos. I can show you exactly a, a little bit about this exhaust and how it performs. So if you need some flow, flow masters or flow tech here. Check him out. I don't know. We, you know, we're we're from Detroit. Had to give a shout out to the Mustang there first. Um, so, you, you know, Ford Ford will thank thank me later. Hopefully, they send me a Mustang, but I, I won't be mad. And then I'll go and get some exhaust from you. Um, but another thing that I wanted to point out here, and that's mainly on kind of the uh, presentation deck here on page twelve. We talk a lot about. Kind of you mentioned the data points. I, I see a lot of what is in here is a lot of data that you guys are being able to take also um, from the consumer, whether that be like you guys mentioned parts from yourself and then probably making some new ones that you guys see are trending, or it could be also a kind of a change, a change in wave. Maybe you guys start seeing electric vehicle parts being more needed then, you know, gas vehicles or combustion vehicles. So let, let me know, what do you guys think about your data and why is it so important to your company here? Hey, Mitch, great observation, great question. And actually, let's come back to the EV part of it. We can discuss that as well afterwards. But the data is really critical in our industry. I'll give you an example. Most other industries, take sneakers, for example, or books, right? Books come in hardcover and softcover. They're, they're two-dimensional. Sneakers, size and color, right? Or size, color, and brand, maybe two or three dimensional. In the auto parts and accessories industry, it's you know multi-dimensional. What we mean we mean by that is you've got year, make, model, trim size, engine size, and so many other variables to consider when a consumer is purchasing a part or an accessory. And this this complexity, and what I'm describing is something called fitment, which is unique to the auto parts and accessories industry. And the complexity created from fitment really causes consumer hesitation in purchasing. This happens offline and online. You know, somebody who walks into a physical location looking for you know, a car battery, the first thing most consumers do is they walk up to the customer counter clerk and request assistance because they want to make sure they're purchasing the exact battery for their exact vehicle. Nobody wants to get into the hassle of going back and forth, you know, buying a car battery and then having to return it in this example. That is really at the core, the complexity the company has set out to solve over a decade ago is, how do we mitigate and remove as much friction from the consumer shopping experience in this complex category? And what the company realized a very long time ago is, none of the e-commerce platforms that exist are conducive to a multi-dimensional fitment industry like ours. And the vendors who are selling third-party parts data out there, the data is okay, but it's certainly not to the standard we as an organization want to be able to utilize and deliver to our to our customer base. So that's when we realized as an organization, well, to do this right, to really serve the consumer in this industry correctly in a digital world, we need to basically develop our own digital commerce platform and build our own comprehensive data set and marry the two together to deliver this superior e-commerce experience today. So the data, to going back to your question, the data is at the heart of that. You know, we, we, we utilize artificial intelligence to kind of enrich the data over several years now. And 
it's you, know, you can see that when you get to our site, exactly what you were looking at. You know, we don't just have year make model. I mean, that, that's become kind of a norm internally now or across the industry today. Now we get down to very specifics and no one is really able to deliver that experience the way we are. And that's because of the proprietary data and technology that we own in-house. All right. And so one of the things that I wanted to jump in was exactly like you're mentioning and making the the uh, the product and kind of whenever you need something make it easy right i mean that's what consumers want nowadays and so i'm showing here the tire installation and that process so let's talk a little bit more about that um you know uh, a lot of people are going to be going through this probably in the next uh, i say three months because they're going to go out with these road trips in the next kind of three months so they're going to be probably looking for some tires going into the winter can you explain how this process works and how this really makes the customer's experience easy here. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so uh, the tire installation network, um, this is, um, you've laid out four steps there, and I think this is one of our key initiatives, which is specifically to, uh, uh, to have an online and offline presence, right? So we are actually, this is our uh, key initiative in the DIFM segment, do, a, do it for me segment. So. With the tire installation network, <clears throat> uh, you guys must have seen our latest press release. So we have we are on track to uh, unlock 12,000 locations for our customers by the end of uh, next year. And in the current state, we already have 2,100 plus locations which are act active. So in one transaction, our customer can come to our platform, select a tire or wheel of their choice. They can select an installation center which is in their close proximity within half a mile within mile, whatever is the close proximity where, where we have the installer network and then schedule an appointment. The products or the tires and the wheels will be actually delivered to the installation location. The customer just has to drive their car there. Maybe in the morning, let's say they set up a time for 11 a.m. They drive their car there. The installer network uh, or the shop will actually fit everything and the customer can drive back. Uh, and so, from a, from a friction perspective, there is least friction for our customers. Um, it's completely online. All their transactions are online. And uh, we are also providing them an end-to-end -end service. So I think this is one of our key initiatives. And we are very excited about it uh, in terms of how this is going to help uh, provide an enhanced customer experience. No, definitely. Uh, I'm sure there's some people out there that just don't even want to touch their car, don't even want to get it started, don't want to hurt their hand, <laughs> you know, getting the wrench working. So I'm sure there's going to be some people needing this service. All right, Chris, I think you got some international question for us. Yeah. So, you know, one of the items mentioned there in the in the growth strategy is, you know, international um, you know, so I'm not sure which of you wants to dive in here, knows, knows international, but you know, what, what does this look like for, for parts ID in terms of growth, um, you know, through international markets? Hey, Chris, great question and observation from the presentation. So, uh, let me qualify, right? So today we, we operate primarily in the U S a small part of our business. We do ship internationally, and that could be for a number of reasons. We don't know some small percentage to Canada, and then some small percentage to other international markets combined. In speaking with many of our strategic vendors and looking at the data, you know, international is obviously an opportunity for us. We've got a, a unique business model, um, and there is certainly going to be opportunity to expand internationally. 
the conversations we had with our top key vendors suggest that Canada is clearly a market we need to consider as our potentially first market for international expansion. And the real core reason there is many of our top vendors we work with today have operations in Canada as well. So there just seems to be a natural uh, a natural relationship there to really test international expansion with Canada first. However, what I would say is over the last few months, we've had a number of other conversations regarding international expansion. We, we've spoken to someone with operations in Latin America. We've taken a closer look at some European markets and even um, uh, India. So we haven't exactly pinpointed where we're going to enter or how we're going to expand internationally yet, but Canada is certainly at the top of that list as we continue to kind of strategically plan our international expansion methods. All right. So I got two more here. I got two more. One that I want to get into that, you know, we definitely need to touch. So what is going to happen with EV for you guys and how do you guys take advantage of this big opening market? Yeah. So I think when it comes to EV, um, I know that people have, start, people have started talking about EV now and there's a lot of uh, moat around it and everybody's excited that we have EV vehicles. But the reality is we have been actually, so uh, part of our business, which is our core is also accessories and wheels and tires. And we have been actually selling uh, these parts on our platform for, for at least two to three years. Uh, we've been already in this space. Um, as far as, and I think that's, that really gives us a competitive advantage here. Um, we sell products for Tesla. We sell products for Nissan Leaf, a uh, lot of the EV vehicles, which are already uh, out there. Uh, and I think one thing which I would want to under underscore here is with our strong focus on accessories market and wheels and tires, uh, that is something which will definitely give us a key opening into the EV um, uh, area. And because I think at any point of time, you would definitely want to accessorize your, uh, your car and you will find all the products on our platform, right? So there's definitely tons of potential there. I have also, and I think there is also a misconception in the market that just because it's an EV vehicle, the parts are very different. The reality is some of the core parts which goes into the EV vehicle are very similar to uh, traditional vehicles uh, that, that are out there, right? So I think there are a lot of synergies that we already see and with our uh, product coverage of 95% in the car with car ID, we do feel that uh, there are a lot of synergies and there is a lot of opportunity in the EV space and we already have a leg up there, especially because of our presence in this space uh, for the last few years. All right, guys. So I do want to mention here, of course, uh, I want to mention um, two things here. I know that we're going to get in towards the outdoor kind of plays here and you guys do service some of those vehicles. So I want to put that out there before everybody goes off roading and breaks the spring or breaks the suspension or something out there and you need to replace it. Definitely you know, check out cars ID, but also the price match. I thought that was a very important thing to state here, guys, um, for the consumers that are using this. Um, can you explain me how the uh, price match works here, Nina? Yeah, um, self-explanatory really, Mitch. Uh, you know, we want to deliver the best experience to our customers and price matching is one of them. So uh, if a consumer finds a price that is uh, better than ours, we have a process where a consumer can submit a request and we'll review it internally. And then 
depending on the situation, we can help kind of discount and or refund uh, the difference. Again, just one more feature about the CarID.com platform to give consumers peace of mind that not only are they getting a unique experience, shopping experience, but you know we also want to deliver to them value as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm going to go ahead up and do a little bit of off-roading this weekend. So I'm looking forward towards it. Uh, I don't know if you guys like to do a little off-roading, but I'm in Colorado. And, and I mean, anytime I can get some mud in the air, I, I definitely will. What do you have, Mitch? What are you driving? A UTV or an ATV? Um, well, I usually uh, I'll rent out a Polaris, you know, and, and just take it out there because <laughs> if it's my vehicle, I'll probably have to replace a part, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, definitely check out Car ID or Power Sports ID afterwards, looking for whatever replacement parts or accessories you need for your vehicle. Definitely, guys. You guys heard it here, guys. Smash the like button if you guys are getting some value out of this. And Chris, let's go ahead and wrap it up. But I appreciate you guys coming on. And if I need any parts, I'm definitely going to take a look. All right, guys. Yeah, another great exclusive interview here on Benzinga Spacks Attack. We have Nino Capino, the CEO of Parts ID, and AJ Roy, the COO of Parts ID. Again, publicly traded, the ticker is ID. Thank you both, gentlemen, for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much, Thank guys. So much, Happy guys. to be here. Happy Thank be here. you. Thank Have you a so good much, one. All right, guys, a, another one done by Chris and Mitch. And you know it. You know it. I think we got at least uh, at least like 50 SPACs under our belt, Chris, now. There, there's so many. Someday we should make a list, right? Of yeah, we got to that- <laughs> make a list of how many we've actually talked to. And I think now it's, it's probably past that 50 mark. And one of the things that I learned more and more as I see, you know, these investor presentations and you and I go through them is – Guys, find what makes these companies special. Because if you're not finding that, then you're not going to understand what I always look for. And that's competitive advantages. Because that's what matters a lot of the times when you're when you're looking at competitors. It's just what's what differentiates them. Yeah, and you know, we didn't even really dive into the the financials, but this is a company that that has, you know, around $400 million in annual revenue. So, you know, we talk SPACs, we we talk fine companies with real revenue. Here's another one, right? $400 million in revenue that they're growing from, you know, beyond cars to also, you know, uh, motorsports, boats. Um, you, You know, the key here is, you know, how quickly will the e commerce market um, for auto, you know, really translate over as, you know, typically, you know, it's been a market where people like to go to the store, they, they like to buy the parts themselves, or, or you take your car to a mechanic, um, right? But you can save some money if you, uh, you know, order the parts online and do it yourself. So, you, you know, that's something I think, you know, is definitely worth watching, you know, for a company in an industry like this is the do it yourself play, um, you know, on car parts. Yeah, you know, um, like Rick House is saying, you know, I know a lot of people are going to run into this. You know, they're going to need something and and then going to have to replace things. I mean, it happens all the time. And one of the things is now with the e-commerce the way it is, you don't need to be going to any shop. You can get it right to your house. You can get instructions and everything. And I, I like how their, their, their website's set up. It's it's not not confusing. A lot of times when you go to car parts websites, you'll see like, um, it looked like a coding website. Yeah. You, you've got to know exactly everything about your vehicle and yeah, no, I, yeah, I no, like the no, layout yeah. of this, of this right there. I mean, yeah, 
year make model and you're you're good to go and you can get started. So I mean, that's that's a good sign too, right? When we look at these companies and their websites look user friendly. So definitely a plus there. Don't forget, man, they got the RV and RV RVs, RVs are parts, killing man. it. I'm this telling year. you, I'm killing telling it. You. Dude, you got to get your toilet. Don't forget about your toilets, guys. Don't forget if you need it, Car I Camper ID has got it for you guys. Has got it for you. And that's important, you guys. We got to have everything, everything. You know, even holding tanks, water filters. Man, it even got TVs. Look, water heaters, man. Get, get that warm shower in your camper. Stop taking the cold showers. Get yourself a water heater so you can take that good shower when you when you're up on on, on Pikes Peak. <laughs> yeah, you know, definitely interesting company here. It, it's one I didn't know as well, right? Um, you know, it's a, a former SPAC, um, you know, but real revenue, four hundred million dollars a year in revenue and, and growing. Uh, you know, the the question I asked right about the pandemic is, you know, huge growth right now. Um, but the question is, you know, will that continue after the pandemic? And I, I think based on their their answers, they seem to be prepared for not only for growth to continue, but to also kind of expand into other verticals to capture as much as possible right now. So we, we shall see. One of my favorite verticals right now, I should have got this in with them, but you guys, you guys, the camping gear, I talked about it. I talked about it, guys. The Google Trend data is so, so, so cyclical. That means this trade is cyclical. Look for it, guys. Look at, look at, look at all the things you can, can be getting on this. Even a pet shop. Did you know that? Did you know that? I don't think many people didn't. If you knew about this company, you probably didn't know. They even got a pet shop here. Yeah, I, I definitely did not know that. But yeah, camping outdoors, huge, huge growth right now going into, you know, summertime. And, you know, after everyone gets vaccinated, lots of, cues. lots of trips going to be taken, lots of time spent yeah. outdoors. So, you know, definitely yeah. a possible play here. Look at the, yeah, look at those Freaking big go wheels karts. and stuff. Go-karts, yeah. What? Scooters. I didn't have this when I was growing up. <laughs> no, I had just the little big wheels. So. Yo, I want one of these, the little bike. Yeah. Yo, <laughs> they're gonna get after me on this one, but I'm having some good time, guys. Looking through some of these products, I know, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Hit the like button, smash that up if you guys enjoy me looking at the little bike. If you guys want to see me get this, oh, I want to see Jason Raznick drive this into work. <laughs> that that's definitely a little bit different than a uh, Tesla, so. Dude, you never know. It could be a driverless motorcycle. <laughs> they did talk about that right on pre-market prep. So the driverless motorcycle. So it's Joel's favorite. It's Joel's favorite vehicle, man. The driverless motorcycle. You just you tie the food, the food delivery, right on it, bro, and it just drives. It just up. takes it to the house. Yeah, there's your margins right there. I'll take it. I'll take it, guys. Hey. Got to enjoy ourselves. If you guys are enjoying it, definitely hit the like button. Let's get into maybe a little bit of our watch list today. I know that a lot of people are seeing some SPACs down, want to talk about some. So let's do a little ticker time. Anybody want to talk about a stock or you're just kind of worried about your SPAC, you need some support from Chris and Mitch. Guess what, guys? We're here for you. Go ahead. Let us know what you need to hear. 
dun, 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 dun. I need that song to play. Keep playing. While Just all day long on a, on a loop. <laughs> yeah, on the loop, on the loop, man. All right, let's go ahead up and take a look here. What is going on, going Looks on? It's like Clover still, but that that thing's losing momentum. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I said on Friday, you know, I didn't know if it was going to go over 10 and wouldn't think mm-hmm. it could sustain that. And, you know, it, it's falling. And I think the, the biggest thing here is that there's so much information out there about what is the actual short number, right? The, the flow. There was reports that some of the shares held by the board of directors that couldn't even be traded yet were included in that float when it was mentioned as a short squeeze. So, you know, it's interesting here. And again, if you're just trading this as a short squeeze, I, I just don't know if the momentum's still there. So just be, be careful there. I'm going to have to make a meme or something. Just Jason Rasnick with the goggles on. <laughs> enjoying it guys so this a hey, clove clove guys watch watch that 986 or ten dollar level like chris is mentioning it needs to get above that and hold there guys reason why because we got the volume to pop through it now let's see if we can get above it and close above it we've even had a day where we spiked up above it but then pull right back through that line, right? And so this is the line in the sand, guys. Let's get it above this $986, $10 and let it hold up there. Let it go sideways one to two days. Like I always like to see, guys, above 10, sideways action. Not above 10 and right back down kind of action. So that's what I'd say about Clove. Keep it on your radar, guys, and we'll keep watching this one. All right, guys, let's go to the next one up here in the chat. What else is being mentioned um, out there? Let's go ahead. Looks like some people want to talk. If you guys want to talk a little bit about CCIV, I'll mention a little bit uh, on my later show. Guys, going to start doing a show by myself. I, I haven't gotten a chance to invite Chris, but I'm going to invite Chris to come on later today. We'll see if he has an availability. You know, my man is very, very, very busy and has a lot of people calling. So we'll see if he takes my call and, and we talk about CCIV a little bit. Um, but let's go ahead and, and go to a nicer one. I saw one this being mentioned about competitions. Uh, DMYI. Yeah, so DMYI, right? The the quantum play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we had Niccolo on the show to talk about that. This one just, you know, it, it's another one, right? We're a couple of years away from revenue. And, and I love the long-term story, but I, I just don't think this one's going to go high again you know, for a little bit because growth is out of favor, right? So, uh, you know, I, I don't know where we're going to see this one land. It could even go below 10 before its vote date or after. But but to me, if you put DMYI, you know, you know away in your IRA for, you know, 10 years, I, I think you'll be pleased. But right now, I just don't see it as much of a uh, short-term trade. Yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah, it's not short-term trade, guys. This is this is one that goes into the long-term basket, right? You guys have heard me talk about this. SPACs for a while, and and, and I, I was trying to do this, I think, before any before even the downturns, you guys. Chris has heard me mention. Let's try to basket these SPACs. Long-term plays, hype plays. There's two baskets, right? Hype. Usually that pre-revenue, that far approach, that look into the future type of SPAC. Then 
there's spats on the left side, long-term basket. This basket holds spats that have revenue, guys, reoccurring revenue. And guess what? They have that future revenue outlook, that growth outlook. And if the growth comes into fruition, then you should see that return. And so that's what I, I would want to point out. Let's just try to get more of those long-term SPACs in that basket and start looking at SPACs as not a trading vehicle, but what they were intended to be more of an investment asset class. All right, Mitch. So here, here's the one I want you to pull up, the, the five-day here, MUDS, M-U-D-S. Um, MUDS. This is what I'm looking at today. It, I think maybe if we, hit, if we hit 12, which it looks like we almost hit today, 12.02 I'm seeing as the day low. But but this one has that event tomorrow, right? So speaking of 420, they're, they're launching their MLB NFTs tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you're going to see momentum in this one tomorrow. So the question is, can you get in ahead of time? How big of a catalyst will this be tomorrow Will it be a catalyst, you know, later on when they say, hey, we sold out of our NFT packs in an hour, you know, or this is how much money we made from our NFTs, you know, so where's the story at? But more importantly, you know, this thing has been trading down the past couple uh, trading sessions. So I'm liking it more and more as we get closer, you know, dropping back to the 12. This is another one, right? Real revenue, well-known brand you know, that I think has an exciting future here as a publicly traded company. All right, guys, this is ticker MUDS, M-U-D-S. Guys, I don't have to ticker up because I'm just throwing up some uh, chat comments here. I'm really trying to stay with the chat today. One of the biggest things that we try to do, guys, so definitely hit the like button for me sticking with the chat here, guys. I'm seeing a lot of mentions that we should do kind of a long-term SPAC episode um, also being mentioned here, Brad Moore, can you do a list of SPACs that have confirmed deal and actual profits? Um, so we'll look into that. I know Chris and I will start coming, uh, coming up with a list for you guys so that you guys will do that long-term approach. Take a look at some SPACs and we're going to look at them long-term. Long-term means guys, not one year over that one year mark for me, long-term, you're looking at a stock two, three years out. And this is how you really, I mean, just think about it. If you could have got a, a stock like, let's say, Amazon, Apple, in, in, within those first early years of growth, and then look forward towards a two to three year outlook of where you think the SPAC or the stock, let's say Apple or Amazon, whichever it was, was being IPO'd or being SPAC brought by SPACs. And so look for that, guys. Look for that. I, I know there's some out there, guys. Uh, let, let's go ahead up. And of course, DKNG still looking good, still looking yeah, that's, good. That's the one I was just going to say. Look at DKNG even, you know, a couple of years ago that mm -hmm. was trading at $10 at offering. And, and you know, yeah, it shot higher on the deal announcement, but you had a chance to get this thing under 15, under 20 for quite a while. You know, and if you use that forward looking, you know, outlook, um, you know, DraftKings and the sports betting, you know, growth, you'd be quite happy now, um, you know, with this thing around $60 now. So there, there's good companies out there that have gone public via SPAC. You just have to find them, um, you know, so great ideas on the shows. We could definitely do some some long-term, you know, show shows. So the porch, the porch, man, has been taking a hit lately. Um, 
I'm seeing this one mentioned by Chris here. Chris talking about PRCH here. That's going to be Porch Group, guys. Taking a a, a hard downturn there, guys, um, after that 17 crack. Looked like it was holding. And this is a lot of the time when I see, guys, um, even if you look at the old SPACs, you'll see a lot of the times what we had is a one-drive, two-drive, three-drive, and we just didn't get that fourth drive, right? And after that fourth drive, we break down and we go into kind of this bearish pattern now. What you need to see is this stock get back above that $16 level and $17 level to really get back up there. But we need to see volume start coming in as it comes down because what you want to see is someone be piling in at a discount, not getting in here, let's say, um, just getting – there's somebody that had either a big sell order or a big buy order between here and these 6 million shares traded. Looks like there was a short report, Mitch, on April 8th. Does that line up with? That's exactly yep. it right here, the, the volume, right? Yep. And so the short report came out. Someone sold the big position. That's that's what I would say. If it's a short report, someone sold the big position, felt felt a little uncomfortable, and they got out. And that's probably why the stock is spiking back down. You know, a lot of times when you get a big seller to sell near support, you'll get a test to what? The next level, the next level support. So we, we could use kind of a weekly approach here to try to find where the next level support is. If the first level support was near the, say, the 16, 17 area, the next level down is right here, this $13 area. And then below that, it would be all the way down towards the 11. So those are the new the new levels to keep your eye out on porch. All right, let's go ahead. We got about two minutes left here, Chris. Let's see what other stocks we got moving out here. What other ones people want to talk about? Um, let's talk about Helion. Let's talk about Helion. I know that a lot of people are mentioning this one. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this one um and where it is right now and and what do you think about this one chris yeah so you know hillion i and i do still own a small position um you know to to me you know and when we had jmac on right i look back at that episode when we had jmac on you know uh, so much of the story here is the electrification right of existing vehicles but but the background is, is hillion's working on their own truck right the hyper truck erx so there's two different stories here. And I think the the one story is the negative, right? Because all your electrification stocks, you know, XL, um, GIK, a lot of these companies are trading down. But then you have your semi, right? And if they can if they can launch this semi, which they just signed some good partners, right? Anheuser-Busch and others, you, you know, I think it'll come back into favor. But right now it's being sold off, you know, because electrification is out of favor with the market, right? We want the companies that are going to make the electric vehicles themselves, not retrofit the existing. So I, I think we need the second half of this story to play out. And guys, just to throw out there, it looks like maybe we'll, we'll be getting some insight into uh, Hylion, you know, later on over the next couple of weeks with maybe an interview. So stay tuned for HYLN. That's all I'm going to throw out there. I'm laughing. I think Pablo lost some money, man. Pablo, you lost some money, man. You 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 you're mad at me because I'm talking specs. You probably lost some money, man. It happens. It happens. Learn. It's the market, man. 
there's some risk involved here. And one of the things that I tell you is that if we went and tracked every single time that we talked about SPACs, I mean, there was times where we had over 100 and something percent moves, 1,000 percent moves. So I'm not really stressing that. What I tell you is about it is like I've told you guys is that you always and always got to assess your risk. It's not just about buying and selling. This is not just an easy profit-taking game. Uh, I know a lot of people think about that, but that's how it is. All right, so Born to be Free, if you want to learn how to use some Google Trends sometimes, I'm going to be doing some more videos on our Clips channel, guys. So if you guys haven't already, definitely check out that Clips channel. That's where you guys can also find the Spax Attack playlist, guys, so that you guys want to go through some quick, quick videos so you can learn a little bit more about Spax, learn about maybe some great deals for that day. Maybe you don't want to stick around for the whole hour. I'm okay with it. You can watch my clips. I won't be upset, right, Chris? That's right. And yeah, there's lots of resources out there. Google Trends, which Mitch just did a whole video segment on, right? The, the outdoor trade, the, the reopening play. I also look at Twitter a lot, right? So mm -hmm. Twitter has a, a trending topics, right? And, and, you know, just to throw it out there, that's where you see Dogecoin, right? Trending a lot of times is on Twitter. You, yep. you see the search results going up in Google Trends. This is ways where you can kind of time and get ahead of things. So, you know, and with SPACs, you know, you could look at, you know, Lucid Motors, right? Is Lucid Motors, you know, trading or trending higher on Google now? Probably not, right? It was at its peak months ago. So, you know, the question now is, you know, how is that Google trend data going to look? you know, going into the reservation period, the production period, it, it, you can have some background. So we could bring some of that into this show. And I know Mitch will be doing more of it, you know, on the Clips channel, like he said, but great question out there about Google Trends. Google Trends is your friend, right? You know, you can be ahead of some of these market trades. <laughs> uh, I'll go back to um, what Matt Higgins and, and Gary V says. Matt Higgins says that Gary V says, just ask mother, <laughs> who's mother? That's Google, baby. Exactly. That's Google. Google knows everything, bro. <laughs> I've yet to find a question that Google can't answer for me, Chris. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, that's for sure. And that's the thing. I mean, use it to your advantage, right? Like, I, yeah, it's there's so much information out there and you can be, you know, ahead. So you, you don't want to be late to some of these trades. So, you know, as, as Pablo just said, you know, losing money in SPACs, uh, inexperienced traders, you know, we've, we've been cautioning for months, right, that these SPACs weren't popping as much on deals. We were, we were trading closer to the $10 level. So, you know, and that all came from from trends, right? We saw it on yep. Twitter when, you know, our pal Julian Klamachko was saying it. We, we saw it on Google, you know, when SPACs weren't trending as high anymore. Um, you know, so, yeah, pay attention to, to some of that data. All right, guys, we're going to be starting up the power hour right here, guys. I'm going to double check here that we got started looks like we got asked to go a couple minutes not knowing how many but hey that's how you go that's how it rolls man i'll just roll with it right all right let's keep rolling so other shows here i want to hit the cat man the cat the cat is back on power hour guys we're going to be talking a little bit about the doge the doge and i don't know about you chris but i want one of these bad boys one of these I just want a Bitcoin. I thought I you were going to say you wanted one of the dogs because I, I said, you know, how can we buy stock in that, right? The breeders uh, of the, the, the Dogecoin dog, right? Because maybe they, oh. 
maybe they sell more of that dog breed this year than any other year. I would have to think so, right? I'm telling you that if if you have that dog and you haven't named him Doge, I don't know what's what's going on. Mitch, I've got some other names, but I don't want to share them on the show in case Uh-oh. we uh, in case we decide to get that dog. But I think he would have a very popular Instagram account with, with a very clever name related to to Dogecoin. So stay tuned. Will Chris get a dog or not? Well, oh, 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 don't don't make me do it, Chris. I'll just start telling your kids about it. Then they'll start hagging you along, Chris. Chris, oh, the kids want my dog. (laughs) I'm sure they do. I can't blame them. I can't blame them. I got two of my own, and I honestly, I would have a third if I have no kids. You'll probably see a third. That's how it'll be, guys. So definitely stick with the Power Hour, guys. We're gonna be talking about it. No, we're not talking about the crap coin. We're talking about the, the Doge coin, man. The Doge coin. Yeah, you might call it a crap coin, but guess what? That crap coin is making people money. And guess what? Money is what we're here for a lot of the times, guys. So I can't blame you guys. Definitely smash the like button if you're getting value from our show. And that's what it's really all about, guys. I still remember that day that I should have got Doge and I'll probably still be kicking myself for <laughs> for a couple of years on that moment. But, hey, that's how it happens, guys. When you think about something and you feel you have it and you're in front of it, it's okay to take a little – a little a little throw risk and, and see what happens, you know, to see your decision-making process. That's what it's all about, guys. You got to learn to be investors. And one of the best ways to be investors is to make decisions and then look at your results and analyze. It's not about um, being perfect. I mean, because if it's about being perfect, I mean, there'd probably be about only about five people in the industry overall. And then it'd be like everybody else just lose. So one of the things that you got to do is like I, I've told – I told a friend that asked me about the weekend, how do I become an investor? How do I really start winning? And I said, data, 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 because guess what, guys? It's all about how you work. It's not about how the market works. That's what people think. They start looking. I need to learn the perfect strategy. No, I need to learn who I am as a trader, and then I can become a great investor. What do you think about that, Chris? Yeah, definitely. You know, that the weekend is all about, right, having fun, right? But also it's a good time to to do some research. And, you know, for whoever said the Google Trends, right? That's a time maybe you look at some Google Trends, you know, is over the weekend. Look back at the, the top stories of the week. Look ahead to, you know, what companies are reporting earnings the next week, you, you know, and maybe look up Google Trend data for those companies, right? So like Coca-Cola reported this morning, there's all kinds of searches you could have done you know, on Google Trends for, for Coca-Cola to see, hey, are they going to have a good quarter or not? What if I go and look? How many people are searching for Coca-Cola? Was it ever trending on Twitter throughout the quarter? You know, just the weekend, you can definitely, you know, get ahead for, for the next trading week. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead up and wrap up here. But uh, if you guys didn't know, guys, uh, I'm going to do a little shameless plug here for myself. Um, starting the show, guys, um, come check me out a little bit later. I hope to have my man Chris there, but we'll see if he's able to get there. You know, he has a lot of stuff to do. But like always, guys, um, one of the things that we try to do, guys, is always get you guys some trade ideas, some some new th- 
uh, some new thoughts, some new things so that you guys can do some research and look for your informed trades. That's what Chris and I do in SPACs Attack. We get you guys the information so that you guys can go and do your deep dive and then make your investment decision. That's what it's really all about. It's about getting you to be informed. There's too many times, and, I, and Chris and I see this countless times, out there being mentioned how retail traders are not informed. This is what we're trying to break. We're no longer the uninformed trader. We're the informed trader, and we're taking investment decisions based a lot of the times now off a story. So you don't need to go to school for five years to learn your fundamentals. You don't need to spend seven years to learn technical. So what you got to learn is the story and then learn small amounts of technicals, small amounts of fundamentals, and then combine all three. And that's what I'm going to try to do, guys, for you guys in the Money Mitch presentation here, guys. That's going to be at 6 p.m. Eastern later today, guys. Come and join me. I'll try to... Try to do my best to get you guys the story because at the end of the day, story is everything. And if you can get in front of the story, that's how people found GME, GameStop. That's how people found Doge. That's how people found Specs. I mean, at the end of the day, that's how they found them because they were looking for what was next, what was going to come. And, and, and that's exactly what happens, guys. The story can change. And so stories change sometimes, start downtrending. And guess what? We'll get another reversal and the story could change just like on SPAC's attack. We could be right back kicking off. Like I said, we might need a catalyst to get it started, but the story is everything. Need some deals, need some big deals and some people to want growth stocks again. But if those two things happen, let's go. Without a doubt, guys. And, and, and SPAC's attack is going to be here through this wave. And this is the wave when you get all the, and, and I'm going to say it. The, the greedy traders out of the asset class because the greedy traders are the ones that go in there pumping, looking for 100, 300% gainers. Let's get them out of here. Let's get them out of here. Let's get those, those kind of influences out. Let's focus on these companies. Let's look at the valuation. Let's look at some long-term. And I'm pretty sure we're going to find that some of these are going to be winners. And so we got to find them. We got to go ahead and now comb through, find the one that you think can really get that potential in the next two to three years. All right, Chris, let's go ahead and wrap up. If they're not ready, I don't think Looks they'll like ever they're be. Looks like they're going. Looks like they're ready. They're ready. All right. Let's, All right. let's, let's go. Let's Thanks, get this everyone. Rolling, guys. Stay tuned. Power Hour. Don't miss we'll it. We'll see you guys on the next time on the Specs Attack.